1: Hi, welcome to another episode of the Weld.com podcast, I'm Bo Wigginton, In this week's episode, I get to chat with Ben Ashline, the manager of the fab shop up at Vermont Sports Car. We met when I was out at PRI and I thought it'd be awesome to hear what it was like running a fab shop for a rally car race team. He talks about how he got into welding after seeing custom choppers on TV and started making pedal choppers the kind of work that they do at the fab shop, and then some work that he's been doing on the side doing custom fabrication jobs. We dive in after a quick word from our sponsors. Are you tired of carrying multiple pieces of equipment on your service truck? Lincoln Electric has introduced the solution, the Ranger Air 260 MPX. This multifunction engine drive combines an air compressor, generator, battery charger, battery jump starter, and multi-process welder in one compact device, specifically designed for the unpredictable circumstances and job demands of the work truck industry. But that's not all. The Ranger Air 260 MPX is also designed to provide a lower cost of ownership with features such as auto stop start technology and an electronic throttle body engine with variable engine speed. Don't miss out on this versatile and reliable machine that can handle any demanding job site. Visit www.lincolnelectric.com for more information on the Ranger Air 260 MPX available later this year and save space on your truck for other tools and gear with this compact power horse. You want to go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience just in case they're not familiar with
0: you and your work. Yeah, so my name is uh, Ben Ashline. I'm 30 years old and I'm currently the Fab Shop Manager at Vermont Sports Car. I've been employed there for 10 years. And I have a true passion for welding and fabrication. 10 years is a long
1: time to be at a job, man. <laughs> yes, yes, searched. <yes>, <laughs> so you must like it, I'm, I'm guessing.
0: Yeah, I, I have a, just a real passion, you know, to build cars and build things. And like the most satisfaction out of that is just building something and get to see it go. But in this level of where I'm at now, just the true satisfaction is to build something, see the driver, be happy with it and win.
1: Well, can you give everyone a little bit of a background of what you all build up there at your job?
0: So at Vermont Sports Car, we build and maintain rally cars and rally cross cars for Subaru of America. Our drivers right now are Travis Pastrana and Brandon Semenuk. Dang, I didn't know Travis Pastrana was in there. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, Wasn't he? Didn't he used to do motocross? He used to do motocross. Yeah, I think he got his start with us back in 2007. Wow! So yeah, he's been on board. That's
1: crazy. I'm out of the loop, man. (laughs) That's so cool. Well, so for people like me uh, who are not super, super immersed in the racing world, when it comes to rally cars versus a traditional like NASCAR race car, what is the big difference when it comes to fabrication?
0: Oh man, I think like the big, big difference is the rally car is for all conditions. So, you know, we're racing these things in the mud, the snow, the rain, and these cars got to be light and they got to be fast. And I think that the biggest difference is, you know, NASCAR, they got walls and stuff that protect the cars when they hit them and they protect the drivers also. But when you're racing through the forest, man, those, those trees don't move. So safety is very important. So I think that would probably be, the biggest difference is just the conditions and the, the the safety of the car. You know, we're not doing 200 miles an hour, but like I said, the trees just don't move.
1: Well, but I feel like the cars themselves have to be like, just structurally, they have to be stronger because you, you're going across varied textures of ground, you know, it's not just like a smooth racetrack.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, so we're racing like in the gravel and I, I mean gravel, like we're on class four roads and like, strictly you know back road stuff and one of the biggest things too i forgot to mention is you know we jump these cars so yeah. the, the the big jumps that we take these cars like they take an extreme beating
1: that yeah, so like the suspension and everything what is that aspect are you when you're beefing up these cars like what parts of the cars are you
0: beefing up oh i think that the biggest thing is like you know the the frame rails the, all the suspension points And that we make our own subframes. I mean, basically, if you could imagine like a trophy truck in a car, that's basically what our goal is.
1: When it comes to like, I know NASCAR, all the chassis are all fabricated by the same company. That's not the
0: same when it comes to rally racing, right? No, you're absolutely right. So with rally, the cars have to be registered and they have to be insured because we take them on stage uh, miles, what they do so You'll do a stage in a rally, then you might have to drive the car through the town, so the car has to have insurance and it has to have an original VIN number on it. So what we do with these cars is we get an original running car and we strip it down. We take probably about 400 pounds out of it after we're done cutting the sheet metal that's not needed anymore, and we pretty much build it back up from a street legal car.
1: Are you using like carbon fiber for the outside or like what kind of
0: materials? Yeah. So we got like a a carbon fiber department. Um, A lot of our panels are carbon fiber or carbon Kevlar. We try to reuse the parts. If a part gets damaged or whatnot, we'll send it back to the carbon fiber department and those guys repair it versus making a whole new bumper because it saves a little bit of cost in the end.
1: I just talked to Mike Furek and like we were talking about fabricating and everything. And he used like the way he got into drag racing is he was he would grind the carbon fiber on drag cars and he was like that it's no fun. It's no fun no, doing that. <laughs> not at all. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's like insulating a house, but ten times worse. when
1: it comes to fabricating, like what I know everyone that's listening, they're big fans of welding. So like when it comes to the welding work that you have to do on these rally cars, like what different
0: types of things are you welding on them? So, like one of the biggest things is we do a lot of uh, MIG welding on the chassis, you know. So we're welding, you know, existing frame rails. We're making patches and putting them in. But probably the biggest thing that sets us apart too is our, our roll cages are fully TIG welded. And what are they made out of? So our roll cages are P forty five. It's basically um, an English version of chromoly.
1: What are the nuances with, that you've found when welding
0: chromoly? Ah, uh, chromoly is just man, it creates a beautiful weld. I mean, like, if you, if you want to weld anything and have it come out nice, chrome molly is way to go. There's no better steel than chrome molly.
1: Is there it, a trick to it? That, like, what is the puddle? Like, because I know, like, I just welded titanium for the first time when we were at PRI, and I was like, this is different. You know, like, <laughs> what, what are the kind of characteristics that you look for when you're welding it?
0: Uh, so what we look for, like, you know, nice color. You get a lot of color in curl molly. So we're looking for that nice, consistent color all the way around. Like if we weld a roll cage tube, we're looking for that nice color all the way around. Um, It's really forgiving and it's pretty easy to weld it. It just has nice characteristics when you weld it. It comes out really nice.
1: Do you have to do like any like special preheating or anything like
0: that? We don't. So the biggest thing that we do is... um, we just clean up the ends of the tube and we flush them out with like, um, we'll use like an acetone just to try to get all the grease out of there, all the dust, all the debris and just try to get the cleanest surface that we possibly can. And that right there makes for your nice weld in the end.
1: I've never welded chromoly, so I didn't know if it was like a real big difference compared to say you're like stainless steels or carbon steels because everything like all these different types of metals like our alloys like aluminum and everything it's it's like you're learning how to weld all over again until you understand the
0: characteristics so yeah that's one thing i will say about welding like what'll make you a good welder is like there's a million and one mistakes to make and until you make those million and one mistakes like you're not a master welder like you have to make all the mistakes to be a good welder like (laughs) make making mistakes it's, it's gonna happen but like you can't get frustrated, and that's what will make you a better welder. Is when you finally make those mistakes, and you can come to a project, and you already know what to expect before you even start it.
1: Yeah, now knowing what not to do exactly. It's always good. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Well, I as far as so being a manager of a fab shop, can you kind of run us through like what what does that entail? Like, what are your duties as the manager of the fab shop?
0: So the, the duties of the manager of the fab shop is basically anything to do with the chassis. We do a lot of work for like the engine department. You know, we'll fab up exhaust for the dyno, water pipe for the dyno. We do all like the boost pipes in the car. We work for carbon to fiber department, building molds. We also take care of our trucks and trailers. So if anything cracks or breaks or the simple thing is like if the guys need a shock holder in one of the cabinets, we'll fab up something for that so they can hold the shocks. But basically, it's mainly anything to do with the chassis, any mounting okay. points, you know, reinforcements. How big is the team that you're working with right now? Uh, so I got two guys underneath me right now. It's just the three of us. And so
1: how do you go about, like, splitting that workout? Because I know when we got to chat at PRI, you were saying that, like, you you try and jump in and help as much as you possibly can, you know. But, like, how do you how do you try to divide that workload up?
0: Oh, so the biggest thing is like the engineers will come down with an idea or something they want to push forward on the car. And it's like, I see it. And, uh, you know, thankfully I got two really talented guys underneath me and like you guys, you can put them in any project and they're going to come out successful on it. And it's absolutely great to work with them. So basically, you know, we'll split the work up any way we can, you know, if something needs to be cut or cut, then welded, we'll have one of the guys cut it out and weld it. You know, we'll just try to keep an assembly line going and keep the work flowing you know so if that means I got to cut out parts and give it to a guy that he can weld that's what I'll do you know because it's all about just trying to keep the workflow going.
1: What's your like normal work week look like like how many hours what's your schedule kind of looking like?
0: Ah uh, so we start at seven and end at four I usually get up pretty early in the morning I get up about five thirty, 30 and then I, I try to be out the door by like six o'clock and get to work for 6 30 you know Thank the Lord, I live pretty close to work, so that helps. That's very helpful. But I just, I basically get there and just, you know, figure out how we're going to attack the day, and you know, see what needs to be done and where everybody left off. And I try to have a game plan ready for when the guys come in. So when they come in, you know, I should just be able to show them their work, and then they can take take it from there until it's finished.
1: What are some of the hardest things about managing a team? Like, what have been some of your biggest struggles you've seen?
0: Oh man, some of the biggest struggles would be like, you know, when we come out with a new car and we're in the testing phase and you know, you get the car all back together and then they go out and test it. Then you get an email like, Oh, Hey, we need to change this. We need to fix this. You know, this radiator is not quite right. We need to fix the angle of this boost tube. And it's like, okay, so it's like time to digest this stuff. And it just, basically figuring it out. How are we going to do this? You know, they got three of us. What can each of us do to keep this project moving along and get the car back out so they can test it again?
1: Yeah, just like people changing their minds, like making, making changes along the way.
0: Yeah, you know, and that's like one thing I like to say is, you know, in the racing business, you're always racing on the track and in the shop. It never ends.
1: Are you out there during these races too, just in case something breaks? Or is it more like you guys live and you're living in the shop?
0: We're pretty much living in the shop. Back in the day, we used to, they used to send a fabricator out to like the rally cross events and stuff. But now that that's kind of, that's slowed down, we're not really doing that anymore. So um, there's a couple guys on the road that can weld. So if they got to make a quick repair to get the car back out, they can. But mainly just living in the shop basically now. Dang, me! When I first started, I spent the first four years there on the road with the team and I think we had 13 events a year and some some were double headers so we'd be on the road for two weeks at a time. So it was quite the journey. What was that like?
1: Like when you're out on the road, like what all were you doing? Were you doing fabrication or just kind of just helping out?
0: Yeah, so like those were back in the Rallycross days. So um, they would set you up on a corner. So how they run their cruises, they have each guy on each side of the car. So you have a guy in the left front, right front, left rear and right rear, they usually put the beginner guys, I was a beginner then, and they would put me on the back of the car, and if everything was going smoothly, I would just maintain the car and, you know, check for bolts, make sure everything's tight, but when something happened, I would get pulled off that car, and then it was time to, man, just figure it out, how are we going to fix this thing with what we have, you know, if that meant running to Home Depot to get some angle iron or a little bit of aluminum, if we didn't have it with us, you know. Um, yeah. That was one of the other responsibilities was loading the truck up with materials in case a car, you know, it took a hit or something broke that we'd have spares with us that we could fix it right there and then and there on the spot. But sometimes you just get in that accident and uh, you got to figure it out. So I remember one time we were in Barbados with a fair eye socks and it was during top gear week and they had the jumps they were made out of coral. Oh, and dang. He came over that jump and he way, he overshot that jump by a mile and the car landed right on the front frame rails. Oh gosh. So the car comes back and that thing is like, span. then one of the other guys, Brando is like, how are we going to fix this? And I was like, well, we got a Porter power and the ceiling above us is concrete. I was like, if we can get a Porter power on the ceiling with a couple four by fours underneath it to bridge the gap, we'll start pushing. And... <laughs> It wasn't ideal, but we got the frame rails back and we were able to bolt the subframes back up to it and we got the car back out. But the funny thing was, is we had another race in Texas. uh, It wasn't the following week, but it was a week after. And we actually contacted a shop that did um, Mercedes repair. They didn't work on Mercedes and they actually had a frame machine there. And we're like, Hey man, can we bring this car in there and use your frame machine? Like we'll pay you and stuff. And they're like, Oh yeah, come on down. They were Really excited to have us, but we ended up pulling out the frame rails on a frame machine when it got back to the U.S. and we raced it that weekend. So that's one of the crazy moments that we've had on the road. What are some of
1: the most common repairs that you got to make on a car?
0: Oh, some of the most common repairs. I would say, you know, the, the floors take a big hit, you know, so we're always patching those things or putting a new section of floor in. The side sills on the the where the rocker people refer to them as the rockers, they like to run the cars into the ditch sometimes, so those will get beat up like crazy, so we're always cutting those off and patching those back in. I would probably say body work out of the most, yeah, like I just didn't know if it was like like
1: c v joints or you know it's like like things in the in the wheels I feel like that that's where you get a majority of your your wear and tear just' because it's all the different terrain you're going over, I just think that that would be a a rough spot of the car.
0: Yeah, it it sure is. You no, know, no doubt there. But you know, thankfully we have some good engineers, and they really got that part dialed down. We got some guys that are a former WRC rally engineers, and they got a really solid package. And you 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 got to really hit something pretty hard to mess up the you know the front wheels.
1: That's awesome, though. Like, yeah. It was just supposed to be so fun. Do you get to, like, test drive anything?
0: No, I've never test drove anything. Oh. Um, Dang. <laughs> Even out of the 10 years I've been there. <laughs> yeah, 10 years. Like, give me the keys one time, man. <laughs>
1: just once. Just once, man. That's all I want. That's crazy. I would, I would expect to at least try it one time. But I've, a question that I saw that was a pretty common one when it comes to rally cars, are they street legal?
0: Uh, yes, I would say so because okay. we, we insure them and we register them. The only thing that we don't do, um, Vermont requires you to have an inspection on the car. We don't have our cars inspected because it's for off-road use only. But like I was saying, um, every now and then, the, after we get done a stage, we have to drive the car back through a town to get to the next stage and they're insured and registered so we can do that. Well, that's cool. I yeah. Mean, I-
1: yeah, I saw that question was was a common one, and I was like, I I don't know,
0: I'm not <laughs> sure, you know. <laughs> so as long as the state doesn't, you know, require an an inspection, you could drive it on the roads. But you know, to say that it's not the most pleasant ride ever because they're pretty loud. Uh, yeah, no, mm-hmm. you're
1: not listening. To, you're not cranking your tunes in there.
0: No. <laughs> so when the guys like, um, they call it transit when they go from stage to stage. The guys actually have a headset that they can put on or the drivers and the co-driver have a headset that they can put on and they can actually talk back and forth to each other because, you know, there's no sound deadening or anything like that. So you're, you're just hearing everything hit that car. Oh, man,
1: that would just I, like I'm a huge sound guy. Like that's, that's my thing. So I don't like my car. Like if I'm driving down the road and I hear something rattling, it drives me insane. So <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think I could be a rally car racer <laughs> as far. So you also have a side business outside of like running this fabrication shop and like just working a lot of hours there. You have a side business. How, what's the
0: different, like, what do you do for your side business? So for my side business, I basically just try to soak up any project that I can. You know, um, one of the biggest projects I've done lately is I put two Garrett 48 millimeters on a Ford SHO, a 2011 Ford SHO. And this guy's trying to set the world record with it in a quarter mile. He's building a drag car. So he wanted the turbos mounted, and but he wanted everything to fit within the stock bumper. So you know, we, we made the turbos fit and he wanted the exhaust to come out the hood and I was like, ah, oh, we can do better than that. So we ended up having the exhaust come out the front fenders. Oh, that's cool. Yes. Yeah, you know, so just basically anything I can. And it's just, it's truly really cool to see somebody when they're satisfied and you meet their expect, expectations and then some, it's like, yeah. you know, that's, that's worth it right there more than anything.
1: As so you come from, of fabrication and welding side, like, but as far as like mechanic skills of like uh, like tuning engines and stuff like that, how much of that kind of work do you do that as well, or are you more on like building the the like exhausts and all that kind of stuff? Because I know a lot of like welders are like, I don't work on cars, but I could I can
0: make new exhaust, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm not com- <laughs> when it comes to computers. I could smash the things. I know nothing about computers. I- <laughs> I can see it and I can build it but when it comes to tuning an engine or anything like that, man that's way out of my league right there. It's
1: just funny cuz like I
0: feel like the
1: the mechanic and like automotive like that world and welding they go so hand in hand a lot of the times but a lot like there's another one of those disconnects. I see a lot of disconnects in the welding world with other other related industries like blacksmithing. Like they go hand in hand, you know, but a right. lot of like a lot of mechanics will never call themselves a welder and a lot of welders will never call themselves a mechanic, but they have (laughs) comparable skills. You know, it's, it's just funny. I keep seeing these overlaps where there's a disconnect, you know, it's funny. Yeah. So like on the side business, how did you learn how to do all of this type of stuff? Man,
0: you know, like I said, my, my uncle had a shock and, you know, thankfully he just helped me out hand in hand. Um, I started welding back in the seventh grade. Um, it was when Orange County Choppers, that was on Discovery Channel and Monster Garage, like that stuff just really got my attention. And you know, having motorcycles in my family and dirt bikes in my family, I, you know, I raced motocross for a while. But just you know, having that background, I just wanted to build my own stuff. And my uncle, you know, agreed to let me build my own chopper bicycles at his shop after hours. And so that's how I got into the welding
1: figuring out like how to run exhaust and and put these turbos in there. Like how, how do you know, like, how do you know how to make it work? You know, like that's, that's my, what I'm really trying to get to there is. So like you put these turbos into the bumper, like how did you know that would work? Is it just from the experience you've had in the race world or?
0: Yeah, I would, I would say just from the experience I've had in the race world, you know, I have a favorite saying I like to go by is I really don't know what I'm doing until I start doing it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know hey, like those
1: mistakes you gotta make those mistakes to know yeah what not to do
0: you know it's like when we mounted those turbos you know the owner came out at to the car and, and i was like you, where do you want this thing do you think right about here and he's like yeah that's perfect he goes you know it has to be on this angle and i really want it over here and i was like okay hold that right there i'm gonna take a measurement and you know and then i just started getting a couple mounting points and once i was happy with it i just created some paper templates to get it on the other side to make it come out the same that's
1: that's a big tip right there templates like paper templates templates.
0: it's cheaper to do it out of paper than it is steel
1: yeah for
0: sure (laughs)
1: that is true but like as far as like i don't know much about how like air intakes and exhaust and everything but like does the location like to like the proximity to the engine does that make a big difference or anything you know, I, I
0: believe it does, you know, because you're you're talking about your, your length, you know, how long you want the exhaust, you know, things like that. You know, I think that really makes a big difference. You know, the the more straight shot that you can get on things is what you want. You know, you don't want a lot of bends, you yeah. know, so the the straighter shot that you can get parts on like an air intake or an exhaust is the best because it'll have the best flow.
1: Interesting. See, and that's why like people want the straight pipes on their exhaust, I guess. You got it, man. Man, see, I'm learning so much already in this, in this conversation. <laughs> what is kind of the craziest project that you've ever taken on like as a side project?
0: Oh, man, I'd say the craziest one I've ever taken on would probably be that Ford SHO that I put the twin turbos on. Dang. Um, the thing that was crazy about that is that was like way out of my element because the car wasn't going to be down at my shop. So that meant all my tools were not going to be with me. And this guy owned a condo. So I was doing it out of a one-bay garage. Oh, man. So, like mobile welding. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, you know, making all the paper templates. And then I would bring them back down to my shop, make the parts. And, you know, and sometimes I went there and I'm like, oh, man, I should have done it like this or I needed to make an adjustment here. So it meant going all the way back down there <sighs> and, and cutting them. You know, thankfully, um, what happened was the guy bought a welder and he thought that he could weld and do it all himself. Mm. And he started mm-hmm. into the project and he's like, I need some help, man. So <laughs> that so was... I, uh, I've been
1: over my head. Can you? Yeah,
0: can, yeah. so that was probably one of the craziest ones. And um, he's hoping to have that car going this spring. So hopefully you'll see it on YouTube. But that is just yeah. an insane build.
1: You got to keep me updated on it. I would
0: love Absolutely, to Absolutely, Bo
1: uh as far i just had a question it flew out of okay here's another common question that that i see have you ever used flux core welding
0: absolutely
1: do you a a big common question out there is can you use flux core welding to weld on a car
0: yeah you know 100 percent. i mean you can use it to you know weld anything really but it's not going to come out the nicest, you know, it's kind of like your agricultural grade welding, you know, yeah. it's, it's going to get the job done and things will hold, but it's not going to be at the highest level.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The the common answer I see is, is yeah, you can, but do you want to, you know, exactly. So you're, exactly.
0: you're going to run into
1: a lot of extra cleanup and you're going to run into a lot of burn through just because. Yeah. It, Needs that extra punch to get that flux broken down, you know. Yeah,
0: and it it does take some heat. Yeah. So, but yeah. that
1: was like a common thing that a lot of people like. If I I always like seeing what people are looking up and asking questions for, just so I could find out for myself. You
0: know. Yeah, I I think like the biggest thing I use it for is like you know I will get a side project and it's outside or something, and you know it could be windy or something, and you know you can't use your shielding gas in the wind, so you are going to bring out the old handy flux core and we'll get the job done.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It'll get done. It'll get It'll done. Get done. <laughs> yeah. Well, as far as like, I love giving people advice on this podcast and considering you've been working in the rally racing world for 10 years. What would your best advice be for someone that's interested in getting involved in that industry?
0: My best advice would be, you know, just don't give up, you know, and start locally. You know, there's a lot of people out there that need a hand on their car that race locally. You know, if you can start there, you know, and start doing some fab things on those cars and stuff, you know, get your resume built up. And then when you go to the professional shop, you know, you have an idea of what you're getting yourself into. And, you know, you just have a way of um, knowing what you're up against, really, you know, and getting your hands dirty and your feet wet on the, on the flip side, if somebody
1: is working at a fab shop and they're looking at trying to move up and progress and become like a manager and oversee it or like supervisor, what would your advice be
0: to them to like prepare to take on that role? Um, you know, you just got to be prepared to have, you know, any possible situation thrown at you and you got to just lead by example. You want to be the first guy there when you're the manager, you know, you want to, give guys a clear direction. You want to have their day planned out for them. You know, you just got to be on top of your game and you just you just can't give up when the getting's getting tough. Rely on your guys, you know. Yeah. Say, "Hey guys, we got this problem. How can we do it? What can what do you want me to do?" You know, everybody's good at a certain area, and you just have to find out the strengths of everybody. Once you put those pieces together, you know, you, you got a rock-solid team and things will get done.
1: A hard thing for people to do in business or just working with people is is see what other people's strengths are and instead of like playing to things that aren't their strengths, it's like how do you utilize their strengths more and then maybe someone else is going to pick up the slack for the things that they lack in, you know? Right. So just just figuring out. Like learn learn about your people. Like learn you, what
0: you just gotta be a observant person. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, Jimmy might be better at cutting out parts, but Dave's better at welding, so have Jimmy cut out the parts and have Dave weld them. And guess what? The part and the job's going to get done to 100% the way it was intended to be. And, you know, everybody wins. But what about when Jimmy's getting upset because he doesn't get to weld? Well, then that's when you bring Jimmy aside <laughs> and say, hey, listen, this is where you're lacking a little bit. You know, and you, you, you got to set goals for people, too. You know, you got to let people know that they have something to work towards. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a hard part about any job is like feeling static,
0: you know, in your position. Yeah. So, you know, and that's another thing too is, you know, just don't give up.
1: Never give up. Like there's always something to work for and even if you feel like failures are usually just like the stepping stone to your next journey, you know. It's, it's, exactly. Like, even if you failed, sure, you might have failed at that one thing, but it might have taught you something that is going to make you excel in the next thing. So I I do it all the time in music, like Sure, that song did do good, but you know I had that one line. I had that one good line in that song <laughs> that's right, <laughs> but that's that's awesome, man, like this has been really cool hearing more about this industry. If people want to learn more about what you all do up there, or they want to get in contact with you about a doing a crazy project, putting turbos who knows where, how do they find out more about what you do?
0: So you can go to vermontsportscar.com, and then you can also look on YouTube for launch control. And, you know, you can always follow me on Instagram, Benny James Custom Services. Benny James Custom Services. Yes, sir. Talking
1: to his friend Bo James. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That's
0: awesome, man. I didn't know it was Benny James. Yes, sir. That's my name, Benjamin James.
1: Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of the Weld.com podcast and thank you Ben for coming on the show. It was awesome chatting with you and hearing what it's like working in a fabrication shop on a race team. I've never been to a rally car race, but man, I'm going to try to make it out to one this year. I also want to give a big shout out to Lincoln Electric for sponsoring the show and helping us all learn about the different pathways available out there in the welding industry. If you have a topic that you'd like me to cover on the show, or you'd like to be a guest, reach out to me on the Weld app, at BowDidIt, or shoot me an email to BowW at Weld.com. Speaking of the app, if you're in there, say hey. Let us know what you're working on. We love seeing what's going on in the community. And if you need help, ask questions, because we constantly are trying to make videos to answer them. Download the app today and see everything it has to offer to try to take your career to the next level. Till next week, we'll see you out there.